Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. I'll now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. I'm putting a team together to go fight an evil maniac. What would you say your powers are? Well, I've got the ability to discuss pop culture stuff and find a way to tie it all into a job I had 20 years ago. Is that it? I also have the annoying ability to point out anachronisms in current movies set in the 80s and 90s. Um, I see. And, um... What do you call yourself? Captain Geek Salad. I I thought the names were the name of your first pet and the street you grew up on. Oh, no, we're not doing adult movie names. But that makes me Cuddles Cockcroft, and no other hero will be called that. Are you sure you didn't just generate that on a What's Your Porn Star name website? Whatever. Are you ready to begin your training? Sure. Uh, can I bring the brewskis? Sure, you can bring Zabruskis. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama. Uh, this is episode 23 and we are going to be talking about mystery men. Um, and this episode is not going to be hosted by the classic heroes. Instead, it's going to be hosted by the other guys. So the first thing that I want to do is I actually want to welcome my guest, first of all. And it's no surprise because I knew you'd know and I knew that you'd know that I knew that you'd know. But do you know that it's Andy from Geek Salad? Hi, Andy. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, really good. Apart from the fact it's fireworks night and um, literally sounds like uh, we're in Champion City and the asylum's blown up or something. It's just... Sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> right now. There is an um, awful lot of evil going on right now. So much evil. You know what we need? We need a team of heroes. I mean, where um, where can you find a team of heroes? Oh, I don't know. I don't own a pool. <laughs> Nor do I, because you know, British people don't tend to have pools. So it's because we don't have the weather for pools. So. <laughs> 
we're going to ignore <laughs> ignore the uh, the fire that seems to be raining down outside my house right now. Um, obviously, this is my first guest episode since The Mummy in August. Um, and there's no real reason that I haven't had guests on other than I did plan to and we've kind of changed some scheduling round. Um, I was going to have someone on in October. Um, and now that's moved to January. So this is this is my first guest. So Andy, you are honoured slash, uh, I don't know. I mean, is this some sort of punishment? Who knows? This is a um, legitimate <laughs> thrill for me. I have been dying to do a show with you. And um, originally we were kind of in the air as to which one we were going to do. And I had made mention about the fact that I actually own the very, very rare mystery men action figures and um m just shoots me a dm on twitter she's like yeah this is what we're doing we're doing mystery men <laughs> you make it sound like i forced you to do it <laughs> but i did <laughs> but it just it just seemed to work because we talked for quite a while about what we were going to do and i don't know mystery men just seem to really work so so yeah that's what we're doing and it's gonna be fun so what I normally do is uh, I just normally kind of do a little bit of news at the start. But the main thing that I'm kind of doing upcoming is I'm actually going to be guesting over on The Midnight Myth. And The Midnight Myth is a podcast that I love and respect and uh, I listen to religiously um, because I always learn so much from Derek and Laurel. And, um, and so we're going to be talking about Labyrinth. And Labyrinth is a movie that means so much to me personally because obviously I grew up on it I'm really excited to talk to them about Labyrinth um, and then I am also going to pop on over to um, One Star Bazaar and they look at movies that are generally quite derided that people hate and I'm actually going to be going on to talk about Jupiter Ascending um, which is interesting because I only ever watched Jupiter Ascending because I listened to uh, an episode on Jupiter Ascending by the guys over at Movies After Work. And it was basically because they hated it so much that I watched it. And from watching it, I actually kind of liked it. And because I kind of liked it, that's kind of led to me going over uh, on One Star Bazaar. And I've also slotted another episode into November because I was originally going to have two. Now I've got three. And it's Legally Blonde's fault because if you've listened to Legally Blonde, um, I mention a specific movie in Legally Blonde and I wanted to do it. Obviously, there's some other bits and pieces going on with film stories at the moment as well. The, the, the column and I'm also doing some stuff for their website as well, which is all kind of linked to specifically British movie podcasts. Um, so, yeah, everything is kind of all go. It's all really cool. What I normally do when I have a guest on is I normally ask them what they've been up to. So, Andy, what have you been up to recently? Well, um, for Geek Salad, we have been doing a regular, for the last year, we've been doing a regular one, uh, once a week uh, retro movie review. Uh, we just wrapped up our uh, Shriek Salad Shocktober uh, movie reboos, because I can't get enough of saying movie reboos. Um, <laughs> we were very lucky uh, this past month to have uh, Nick from Black Girls Do Stuff 2 podcast. She helped us out with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, we've we've kind of unofficially decided that we're going to bring her back in, uh, you know, based on her availability at Christmas time uh, 
to discuss the Yuletide classic Die Hard, which <gasps> I can't that wait sounds for. Exciting. And, oh, and I love her. She's awesome. She is amazing. I just, I, I just loved talking to her. Um, other than that, we uh, recently, two weeks ago, released our uh, Scary TV episode where the uh, cast of Geek Salad kind of bullied me into watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then, as um, your listeners know, I, I recently appeared on your podcast to give my summation of Hush and whether or not a non-Buffy fan would watch Buffy just based on Hush. Um, sadly, the answer is still no. Uh, <laughs> but I did enjoy the episode. <laughs> Um, and other than that, you know, we're just, we're, we're gearing up, uh, by the time this episode launches, we'll probably be on the heels of launching our, uh, podcast and YouTube channel discussion that we're having, um, tomorrow night, the night after we, you and I are recording this, uh, where we're going to discuss the podcast that we're listening to, as well as some of the YouTube channels, uh, that we're currently subscribed to and just kind of obsessing about, um, it's kind of this, – this the next month and a half is going to be a bit sparse in terms of overall um, content for us, mainly because I'm doing uh, a musical out in my area, and it's ta- the rehearsal schedule is taking up an awful lot of my time. Um, mm, so, yeah, I can imagine. Yes, Massachusetts listeners, if you're in the, the Gardner area around Thanksgiving, um, I'm playing Santa in the Christmas Story of the Musical. So please feel free to – to try to get tickets because apparently it's sold out now. Yay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really cool. But I think you might be my only Massachusetts listener. I'm, I, I'm pretty certain I don't have any other listeners in Massachusetts. Well, if my friends are really friends, then they'll be listening to this, right? Like the ones that sit in my basement and drink my beer when we record our show, right? <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> All right. So if but, you don't um, mind, then I'm going to call out Catherine, Joe, Mike, and occasionally Todd. Um, you got to listen to the show, please. For the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I think that's the first like shout out that I've ever had on the show. That's awesome. You know, oh, I'm just like calling. I'm just calling out my co-host. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> no, I know, but. It feels a bit like, you know, when people ring up radio shows and they get a song played and then they go, oh, can I just shout out my mum and, and my best mate? And <laughs> it feels a bit like that. So that's really cool. Thank you. Oh, you're very, oh, you're very really welcome. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> so you were on my last episode that I did, which was a little bonus episode, which I, I did on Buffy. Um, and obviously I kind of said to you, oh, you know, how much I love Buffy. And, and you were like oh, well, uh, I'm not keen. And and the reason why I kind of got you on was because I kind of thought to myself, you know, I'm pretty certain that my theory that Hirsch will convert a non-Buffy viewer to a Buffy viewer, I, I thought it was watertight. I was like, there's no way he's not going to turn around and say, oh, I love Buffy now. You know, I'm going to start watching it again. And um, yeah, so that was a big surprise. <laughs> You oh. said that you weren't gonna, but do you know what? And and it's genu- genuinely like I said on the episode, it's fine. Like just because someone likes something, it doesn't mean that someone else has to automatically become a massive fan. And so I genuinely appreciated your honesty, and that you didn't just turn around and say, "Yes, I really love Buffy, and I am going to watch <laughs> all of it now," uh, <laughs> because. You know, that was your genuine opinion. However, I do recall you saying that you would be up for watching more kind of special episodes um, of the show. So uh, 
I mean, I can I can definitely suggest some. There's one in particular that I think you would be very fond of, um, which is a season six episode because it's a musical. We've had some discussions on our show about like the very special musical episodes of other shows and. Um, mm-hmm. Well, just needless to say, Joe, Catherine, and Mike uh, start throwing down. They start throwing fists based on based on their opinion of the necessity of a musical show. Uh, mm. <laughs> I will say though that I did enjoy. Um, oh my goodness, what's the uh, Neil Patrick Harris Joss Whedon musical? Oh, Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog. Yes, thank you, Doctor Horrible. Um, oh yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it is a lot of fun. I really I really enjoyed that, um, especially because I really like Nathan Fillion, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it Who was. Doesn't? Um, I mean, come on, <laughs> it's Nathan Fillion. He's amazing. I'm still waiting for him to get that plum movie role instead of just being Nathan Fillion in things. Yeah, and, you know, even in, in the show Big Mouth, he's just Nathan Fillion. Yeah, he's so good in Big Mouth, and I know that he's just playing Nathan Fillion, but. Um, yeah, I, I think Nathan Fillion's the sort of actor that everyone loves. Like, there's a Nathan Fillion role for everyone. It could have been so wonderful to have a multi-season arc of Firefly. Um, it's it's sad that Nathan Fillion didn't get that. Yeah. I still well, lament. He did, he, did, um, he did that other show forever. Uh, the, name, the show oh, I made. Oh, uh, was it Castle? Yeah, Castle. He did that show yeah. forever. But um, it didn't really have it didn't really have the brilliance of anybody behind it. So it was it was a good network television show, but because it lacked like a Joss Whedon behind it, mm-hmm. it just kind of shows up as just just kind of like the the basic U.S. network stuff that I tend to avoid. Yeah. Obviously, as happy as I am for you to be here, I don't want to dwell on you too long because we want to talk about Mystery Men. But, Absolutely. I'd um, rather talk about Mystery Men than me. Well, well, for the purposes of the uh, the listening public, I just wanted to ask. So, obviously, Geek Salad has been going on for quite a while. I mean, you guys have been doing it for years. So, I was just kind of interested to find out a little bit about, you know, how Geek Salad came about. And, and I guess, really, what pearls of wisdom could you uh, pass on to someone who's you know, obviously not been doing it as long as you have. Okay. I mean, yeah, we've, we're the elder statesmen of nerd podcasts. Um, I, I always say that without evidence, we're probably the longest running nerd podcast on the internet. And I'm only wow. half joking about that because when when we first started the podcast, it was 11 years ago. And it was something that I was just looking to have a creative outlet for. Um we had just had our first child, and I, I work a very like a grueling, grueling retail schedule, and I just needed some kind of outlet to just nerd out a bit. And um, I got a lot of ideas from a lot of different podcasts that I was listening to at the time, and uh, a lot of those podcasts, mainly the the independent podcasts, have all they're all gone. They just stopped doing them. The People hosting them got married and had families and just gave up on it. And we've we've really just been kind of sticking along the entire time. With um, with Geek Salad, it was I knew I I didn't want to do this on my own because my experience to that point with podcasts were 
I, I knew of a lot of podcasts where it was just one person and it almost seemed like they were just reading news notes and I didn't want that. So um, one of my one of my best friends, uh, original Mike, um, came on. He wanted to he wanted to do the podcast as well. He thought it would be a really fun idea to do that. And um, we we did the first episode, and it was very like I, I don't know. I had an idea for how I wanted it to go, and we found that. By the second episode, we had thrown all that out the window and started just chatting up one single topic. And mm-hmm. that grew to the point where um, a friend of mine from the store I was working in wanted in on it, um, that, that friend being Mike. So if, um, if you're familiar with my show right now, we have, we have Mike as my, my long-term co-host, my, uh, my hetero life partner, if you will. He um, he came in and really kind of helped because he's got a he's he's a little younger than both myself and um, original recipe Mike was, so he brought in a, a really interesting uh, aspect of being the more the more innocent the less jaded fan, and it really kind of helped balance us. So when original Mike left uh, due to some stuff that he had to take care of, and Mike stayed on. That's when the show kind of found its voice. We started moving stuff around um, to – I apologize for if you hear the sound in the background. That is my dryer going off because, you know, it's my day <laughs> okay. off and I'm multitasking. <laughs> um, but with, uh, with, with Mike, we found a, a structure. We started doing segments where we would have a main topic and then we would do the – we would do a stru- we would um, then talk other things. We had a couple of little segments on there, which every once in a while rear their ugly heads back on the show. Um, for a while, then my my other best friend Jim came on and helped us with the show. His brother in law joined us. We've had a, an array of co hosts, but for like the last five years, it's it's been me and Mike um, and my high, my old high school friends Joe and Catherine. Um, the nice thing with Joe and Catherine are is that they also bring a very, very different aspect to nerd culture. We all kind of have our own expertise, and we have shared expertise. And I, I love that now with the four of us, it's a collaborative – it's not only a collaborative uh, endeavor, but also Catherine brings a really good perspective because for the longest time it was just dudes. Uh, every once in a while my wife would join us and discuss something. Uh, but for the most part, Catherine has been there, and Catherine is so she's she's just great because she's um she she just is just a very intelligent person who has lived the nerd culture, and I, I love getting her perspective uh, uh, of everything. Uh, and you know, Joe and I are just bitter old men, so it really uh, it really makes things it really makes things great. Um, but that's that's how our show has been going. Um, but yeah, I I I I, I don't know. It, it's something that really gets me excited when I I have if I'm having a bad day, I can always think about how to plan my next show and what I'm going to do to make that next show better. So that's uh, that that's really about it. It's it's I could I could bore you with the details, but it's been eleven years <laughs> of of just of just working with a, a a bunch of really fantastic people. Um, 
I only tend to say this during anniversary episodes and milestone episodes, but I, I'm probably the luckiest guy in the world because I don't I don't have the benefit of just doing the show on my own. I don't have the benefit of, of doing the show with my spouse. So having four, you know, three of my best friends in the same room with me, um, drinking beer, eating snacks, and just being able to nerd out for a little bit has just been a. It's just. It's been a blessing for me. It really, it really gives me a lot of purpose, um, and we just we don't ever see an end in sight. In fact, my son the other day said, "Daddy, you're never going to stop that podcast." And I just looked at him, and go, "Just like my job, boy. Just like my do- job. I'm here till I die." So, <laughs> I think that's what I love the most about you guys is that you would think that doing it for as long as you have, that maybe you might feel I don't know, like a bit bored or a bit jaded or that. I guess it would be easy to kind of say, well, we've done it for so long. Let's A, do something different or B, let's not do it. But what I love so much is the fact that not only are you still doing it, but you're still doing it really well and that you still get that same kind of feeling of joy and, you know, each time you do it, it's it's marvellous. You know, that's where I want to be in however many years that verbal diorama goes on for i have no idea but hopefully a few um you know i i want to be in that in the same situation where by i'm excited for each episode and because i think that kind of shows that you're doing it right because if you after so long can still be so excited and happy and genuinely looking forward to what you do with everyone that you're obviously doing something right you know yeah, no, I, I I agree completely with you. I am just I'm I'm happy because now what we're looking at is we we've got a couple things going on with the show. Like Mike and I will go back and we'll talk about episodes we did back when it was just the two of us, or the episodes that weren't migrated on to us when our uh, when our host site went away. We were on one host site and then about a year and a half in, they just stopped so we had to rush and we've been on uh podbean ever since and um in that time we started integrating older shows in there and then there's just this group of shows that are just really just not good um you know me that might be one of those things that if we ever did start up a patreon or something like that that would be our reward for our patrons would just be hey here are the terrible episodes that we never wanted you to hear again <laughs> and um we we've also looked at older shows and now we're thinking now because we have two other two other voices and then recently we've brought in um my friend Todd who is a fan of the show and just He's, he's kind of a mutual friend between me and my wife, and he was asking my wife, Autumn, like, I really want to be on Geek Salad. Will Andy let me be on Geek Salad? She's like, Andy lets anybody be on Geek Salad. Of course you can go on Geek Salad. <laughs> and Todd brings a great perspective because, well, first of all, he's at least eight years younger than the next person in the show. So he's a, he's, he's quite a bit younger, um, but he's just such a, an incredibly fun, cool, smart guy that we like having his – his perspective and so mike and i have been talking about maybe taking some of our other older topics and re redoing them with with the new group um we mm. did a show about 150 episodes ago on weird al yankovic 
And now Mike is like, maybe we'll do that one again. And I'm like, yes, yes, we could do that again. Maybe not till 2020, um, because we legitimately have two shows left in the year before um, before the year is over because of, of uh, my rehearsal schedule. But um, yeah, wow. we definitely already have a long list of shows set up. And then next year will also at some point be our 200th episode. So I got to come up with something pretty major for that. Well, you've had quite a lot of people guest on like your YouTube and and obviously with Todd coming on the show, you haven't yet had me. Uh, no, I, know no, I haven't. Bits for and you, it's a bit of a uh, but... yeah, we've been trying to we've been trying to do that and it's just the yeah. damn the time zones are so because our YouTube videos are live. They're shot live. So it's not um it's just something that we we kind of have to do at the time at the moment. And it's just kind of been the, the tough thing because Mike works a normal job, a nine to five job. I don't, and um, Am, you are five hours away from me. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, lo- I honestly <laughs> love to. Uh, one day we'll do that. We've we've discussed it in the past, and maybe we'll we'll find yeah. one. Maybe on a oh, if I if both Mike and I take a vacation at the same week or something. Yeah, it's um scheduling is tough. It's really tough, even when yeah. you're just doing it on your own. Scheduling's tough, so I can't well, imagine having to schedule, you know, you know, your schedule, his schedule, my schedule, you know, time difference, all of that sort of stuff. It it, it is pretty crazy, but, it, but it's you know, hard enough with four of us. I'm always available. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that one day we're gonna find we're just gonna we're just gonna find that unicorn and be able to record the uh, the most amazing movie review. <laughs> well, I would hope so. Who knows? Who knows what the future will hold? That's all I'll say. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think we should continue uh, talking about it because yeah. uh, you never know. One day uh, the planets might align and we can talk about something that's really cool. And the final question that I want to ask you before we move on to Mystery Men. <laughs> How upset are you, on a scale of 1 to 10, that we're not covering Grease 2? Because <laughs> Grease 2, it's not the thing that brought us together, but I th- I kind of feel like it's the glue that keeps All right, our so friendship for, strong. Um, uh, for Grease 2, I feel like if, if you and I were close enough to be giving each other gifts, you would, you would totally get a Pink Lady's uh, vinyl jacket. Or whatever that that material is, um, it's it, it's amazing because I I remember seeing that movie um, on HBO and I never you know I, I watched it once never gave it a second thought and little would I know that like thirty six years later it would be brought back into my life via a wrecking ball. Um, by a smart, funny British lady. So, um, <laughs> well, yes, this is, I mean, this is this this is how we do. Smart, mm, uh, not sure. Funny, mm, sometimes. British, yes. Lady, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh dear, I haven't gone out to the pubs with you then. Oh dear. All right. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of sad that we're not covering Grease 2, um, because like I say, I, I do kind of feel like, yeah, that, that would be an interesting thing to cover, considering, you know, how much I love Grease 2 and how much you don't <laughs> love Grease 2. But, um, but I thought it's probably better for us to cover something that we both have a vested interest in. Um, and like we said earlier, Mystery Men just seem to kind of fit the bill. So, 
without further ado, let's talk about Mystery Men. In a place called Champion City, the forces of good and evil... Captain Amasio, what a surprise. ...are about to collide. Well, we've always been each other's greatest nemesis. Now, with the city's one true hero missing... Captain Amazing is in danger. Kaboom! Who will step forward... You again, wannabes. ...to answer the call of justice? Don't mess with the volcano, my man. Because I will go Pompeii on your butt. Oh, golly. They've been waiting for this moment. The city's in peril, Lucille. All of their lives. Butch needs his vest back. Well, it's my vest, too. I bought it for him. But now that their time has come... I'm a superhero, too. What's his power? <laughs> they're going to need all the help they can get. you got to find a lot of superheroes really quickly. State your name and power. PMS Avenger. I only work four days a month. Is there a problem with that? No. No. I am the Waffler. Waffle Man! Am I too late to try out? Sorry. You're in. Wow, my first mission and we're gonna rescue Captain Amazing. Here we go! Universal Pictures presents... We need to talk about your plans. I'm going to kill you. Right, that's the part that really doesn't work for me. A new league of heroes that step to a different beat. Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. I don't find you threatening at all. <laughs> Let's do some carnage. We're not your classic heroes. We're the other guys. Mystery Men. I'm invisible. Can you see me? Yes. Wow. Maybe you should put some shorts on or something if you want to keep fighting evil today. So I've got a little bit of a, a plot summary uh, that I'll quickly go through. Champion City's most successful superhero, Captain Amazing, is literally amazing at saving the day every time. However, Amazing is finding that his effectiveness at fighting crime has practically made his job obsolete. And without any worthy adversaries remaining, most are either dead, in exile or in jail, he finds out his corporate sponsor Pepsi has pulled their funding. To create a need for himself and to appease the rest of his sponsors, Amazing uses his alter ego, billionaire lawyer Lance Hunt, to argue for the release of supervillain Casanova Frankenstein, who blows up the insane asylum captures Captain Amazing and prepares to unleash the psycho fraculator which lethally bends reality. The would-be superhero team of Mr Furious, the Shoveler and the Blue Raja attempt to make a name for themselves fighting crime in Champion City but their lack of heroic skills make them ineffective and they find themselves constantly upstaged by Captain Amazing but with Amazing gone they recruit a team of the other guys to find the missing captain and stop Casanova Frankenstein for good. I always like to talk a little bit about the cast. Um, so we'll just quickly go through the cast because it's a really, really great cast. Um, when we're talking about uh, comedians especially and, and, and character actors, comedians and character actors in the late 90s. I mean, this is basically a who's who of great comedy and character actors. So... Um, if we, I can say that yeah. this is actually every single member of this cast 
is at the pinnacle of their career. Mm, interesting that you at say that. At this point. At this yeah. point, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll go into it in a little bit because of um, something we plan on discussing. But, yeah, no, this is, this is for a lot of these, these actors, this is, like, this is the high point. Mm, yeah, and, and I think a lot of these actors as well, um, such as people like Hank Azaria, uh, tend to be known more for their vocal talents nowadays, you know, with his roles in The Simpsons, etc., um, than for the acting side of what they do. But, yeah, so we have Hank Azaria um, as Jeffrey, uh, a.k.a. the Blue Raja. Uh, we have Janine Garofalo as Karen, a.k.a. the Bowler. William H. Macy as Eddie, a.k.a. the Shoveler. Kel Mitchell as the Invisible Boy. I did try and find... I can't, I can't remember what the character's name was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did have a name, but I couldn't remember what it was. So uh, <laughs> Paul Rubens as the Spleen. Ben Stiller as Roy, a.k.a. Mr. Furious. Wes Studi as the Sphinx. Jeffrey Rush as Casanova Frankenstein. We have Greg Kinnear, who's credited twice. So he's credited as Captain Amazing, and he's also credited later on as... Lance Hunt, um, because there is some confusion as to whether he's the same person or not. Uh, we never really figure that out. Um, Tom Waits as Dr. Heller, Claire Forlani as Monica, and Eddie Izzard and Praz Michelle as Tony P and Tony C. So, as I mentioned, it's a cast of mainly comedy and character actors. Um, but it's interesting because... If you looked at this list now, I think a lot of people wouldn't really know really many or any of these people because a lot of them tend to have kind of faded away. And the real big name is Ben Stiller, really, uh, if you look at it in kind of a modern day. And even Ben Stiller, um, he's really not as big as he was. Like, he'd just done this something about Mary. So he was really in the public consciousness when he took on mystery men and his stars kind of risen t throughout the 2000s but he's he's kind of dropped off a little bit now um because he was really well known for quite a lot of comedies in the 2000s um things like zoolander and dodgeball it's interesting because from researching this movie uh obviously with this massive cast of comedic actors the the guy who directed it is uh, it was directed by Kinka Usher um and he was a guy who was known for mainly commercials so when they wanted to make this movie they wanted essentially a cheap director and so they they got Kinka Usher in and um Kinka Usher obviously as a first time director he hadn't really worked with people of this caliber before and um and a lot of these people wanted more screen time they wanted more jokes they wanted more to do and um, and so he allowed them to ad lib quite a lot of their jokes, but a lot of them actually ended up being cut because obviously if you just let comedians tell jokes and jokes and jokes, it it kind of then just becomes a movie about jokes. Um, and obviously we want to do superhero stuff as well. So he never directed anything uh, movie-wise after this because presumably he was put off. And it was written by Neil Cuthbert and Bob Burden. Um, so Bob Burden was the creator of the original comic book that this was based on, which was The Flaming Carrot. And Neil Cuthbert, he doesn't have a page on Wikipedia for a start. So uh, I always find that quite interesting when they don't have a page. But, um, but his kind of biggest screenplay up to this point was Hocus Pocus. Additional rewrites took place by Ben Forrester, I think, to introduce kind of more of the comedic aspect rather than the superhero. But 
Um, yeah, sorry, you wanted to mention something about the cast. Yeah, I, I really wanted to... The interesting thing about this this cast, as I mentioned, is that this is at the pinnacle of their career. This isn't something that they were doing as they're getting going. Um, I mean, Jeannie Garofalo is really... She had just come off of being the lead mm-hmm. in a bunch of romantic comedies. Uh, William H. Macy was nominated for an Oscar. Paul Rubens was still kind of doing his 90s film comeback. Uh, you know, you mentioned Ben Stiller had the biggest hit of his career with um, something about Mary. Jeffrey Rush won an Oscar, for God's sakes. Um, Greg Kinnear was nominated for an Oscar the year after that. It's just, there are all these actors. And the, the funny thing about Mystery Men, if you if you know anything about how it performed box office-wise and anything, you would think that this movie was filmed in 1995 and was just kind of held in a vault for four years, and then finally Universal released it as a um, as just a write-off. And it's interesting to find out that, no, all these guys accepted this these roles after their biggest hit, after one of their biggest hits or some of their biggest career successes. And the turnaround time of this movie is only, I think, six months from mm-hmm. production to theater. And it's it's just very, very funny that that this movie isn't really what it seems if you are, you didn't go into it fresh when it first came out. If you're just hearing about this movie, it's like, oh, I know all these people from movies that I used to watch back in the 90s. Why don't, why don't I know about Mystery Men? And that's – it's just it, – it's a very interesting bit of a conundrum with how do you get all these great actors and these very popular people and how does this movie not do better? I mean it – I, I did a little look on Box Office Mojo, and this movie finished ninth, uh, 54th for the year of 1999. To give you a comparison, there was a movie that was released in 1999, which ended at number five, a very famous movie, The Matrix, starring <laughs> your your favorite and mine, Joe Pantoliano. And, uh, hey, if it's Joey Pants, it's going to make me dance. I just made that up. That's terrible. Um. Yes. No. It's a it, Lawrence Fishburne and Joe Pantoliano got a uh, the top the fifth top grossing movie of 1999. So that's pretty uh, impressive. I want to talk about the movies of 1999 in a bit later. I mean, I've covered I've covered quite a lot of movies of in 1999, bit, yeah. and I think 1999 is is one of those years that if you had a movie that came out in 1999 that wasn't Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace or the Sixth Sense, or The Matrix, or oh my God, is it? You know, but th- th- there were so many amazing box office successes in 1999, and so many movies that are so critically acclaimed in 1999 that this movie was, in a way, it yeah. was kind of destined to be a failure, which is a bit sad. But I, I want to talk about that a bit later. Yeah, yeah. I I just want to talk a little bit about the the history of these particular characters. Because when we talk about superhero origin stories or we talk about superhero movies, obviously superhero movies nowadays are ten a penny. Um, I think in 1999, this came out and um, arguably you could call it a superhero movie. I'm going to call it a superhero movie because it's wonderful. And I've done an episode on it, so I'm going to mention it. The Iron Giant. 
but other than that, there wasn't really anything else uh, superhero-wise that came out in 1999 because it wasn't really a thing. And this this particular uh, characters, so I mentioned Flaming Carrot Comics. Um, they were written by Bob Burden and they were published by Dark Horse. So Dark Horse, sort of as a comics company, there's been several movies that are from Dark Horse properties, but the Flaming Carrot Comics, uh, they were essentially a parody of the DC and Marvel comics of the time. Um, and the Flaming Carrot was a founding member of this team called the Mystery Men. However, obviously in this movie, there's no Flaming Carrot. Um, he's not mentioned. He doesn't appear. So really, the fans of the comic were kind of done a little bit of a disservice. Um, when it comes to the marketing of this movie, you would think it would star a character called the Flaming Carrot, but he is not in it. Um, and the the marketing for the movie was limited anyway, but it doesn't mention any associations with the Flaming Carrot. And I think so many people, when they think of Mystery Men, they think it's a unique property. They think that it's an original story. And it is, in a way, because it's so detached from the Flaming Carrot comic book that it was depicted on. Um, and some characters from the Flaming Carrot version of Mystery Men are in this movie version, uh, characters like Mr. Furious, the Shoveler and Dr. Heller all appear in the original Flaming Carrot stories. But all of the other characters in this movie were, were made up. And that's quite interesting because you would think if they had an existing property that they would work on that and try and utilise the characters that obviously it's not the most well-known comic book series of all time. But um, if you have an existing property, surely you would try and, and, and benefit as much from that as possible but I think when it came to mystery men they wanted to detach themselves from the comic book um and I think that that was kind of a bit of a big mistake because people who were fans of the comic book weren't happy and people who never heard of the comic book just didn't think that there was any background to it um but there is a background to it um and it is quite interesting I've got on my notes here about other comedic superhero movies that predate the modern superhero genre um examples like the toxic avenger and howard the duck and the mask they're all obviously based on existing properties but they're all comedies um and it was quite easy i think to parody the genre uh, when you had movies coming out sort of you had like the likes of superman in the 70s sort of going through to the batman movies which talked themselves very seriously at the start and then by the time we got to Batman and Robin <laughs> they uh I mean that definitely <laughs> did not take itself seriously I kind of feel like this movie came out at the wrong time but I also I just wanted to kind of briefly mm. mention the other Dark Horse comics that have been adapted because it's movies that you wouldn't necessarily think are from Dark Horse but they are um and quite a lot of them tanked <laughs> quite terribly. Um, so you have movies like Tank Girl, Barbed Wire, R.I.P.D. and Mystery Men. And they all were a bit box office uh, disastery. Um, but then on the other hand, you've got movies like 300. And obviously that had a sequel. Hellboy. Um, and when we talk about Hellboy, we, o we only want to talk about the Guillermo del Toro Hellboys. Um, which always should have been a trilogy. And I will... I will take that to my grave that Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman should have been given that third movie. I've not watched the remake that came out recently. I 
I'm not including it in this list. Um, the Sin City movies, obviously there were two of those, and Time Cop as well was uh, a Dark Horse property. And they were all reasonably successful franchises, and they all kind of had franchises coming off them. So Mystery Men kind of came from a bit of a mixed bag when it when we're talking about comic book legacy um and film adaptations of comic book dark horse have kind of had a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to movies of their characters uh, more so than the likes of uh, dc and marvel have what's your opinion on uh, on these kind of movies and and obviously when we talk about comedic superhero movies they were kind of of a time and it seems like we've moved on from comedic... Well, we kind of have, we kind of haven't. We've got... We had things like Deadpool. Um, but otherwise, it's a genre that kind of at the moment wants to take itself quite seriously, I think. I, you know, and, and I think that there's there, there's definitely room for humor in, in superhero movies. This is one of the reasons why I love the MCU so much. Um, I think with a lot of the, the... Especially with these Dark Horse movies, every single one of these movies has that that divining point there are the fans and there are the detractors um i actually really liked tank girl um i i love i love mystery men so much <laughs> that I'm, I'm here on a podcast talking about it I, I i love the first hellboy um i've only seen the second hellboy once i i enjoyed it it was good sin city was okay the second sin city was just uh, outside of the fact that Ava Green spends the majority of the movie, about 85% of the movie, topless, I really could do without the um, the second Sin City movie. Uh, I honestly think that 300 is possibly one of the goofiest movies I've ever seen. It's like, I, I, I get the, the dude bros that I work with who absolutely love 300, you know, and, you know, I, I, I will punch the next person who shouts, <laughs> this is Sparta during a business meeting it's it's not only inappropriate it also doesn't make any (laughs) sense um i was never john claude van damme fan so time cop is kind of out of there and i am one of the poor bastards who actually paid movie money to see howard the duck (laughs) um you know it's just it's dicey i mean i i enjoy i enjoy a good movie one of the reasons why i love mystery men is because it's a movie that knows what it wants to be, and it doesn't try to pretend to be something it isn't. Um, Tank Girl's kind of in that boat, too. It wasn't made to convert you to read the comic book. It's just a fun movie. But for the most part, I feel like like Deadpool and the MCU have done such a great job of just lightening up the tone, where you can have a movie... Like, I mean, you can have a movie like Black Panther, which still has some very great comedic moments in it, and still totally and believably mm. be nominated for Best Picture. Uh, it, it's almost like these types of movies, I, I don't want to say they don't need to exist, because again, that would deprive me of Mystery Men, but it would be, um, it's almost unnecessary, especially now when you think about. And this is actually a genre, a film genre that thankfully has gone by the wayside. But the uh, those terrible parody movies that we used to get, and they actually made a superhero movie, and it's nothing but jokes, which essentially are just shots to the groin of famous movie superheroes. And I, I think that the, the humor, especially you mentioned Deadpool, 
I think Deadpool is funnier than Mystery Men, even though it's a straight-up comic book adaptation. Um, it has a beginning, middle, and end. It's got definitive characters. It is hilarious. I think Deadpool 2 is better than Deadpool 1. I love the way they do that. So, But for the time when we didn't have this, when we weren't so spoiled with comic book movies, then yeah, yeah. Something like Mystery Men was, was, was a fun little treat for the people that got it. It's that, it's that club that you know only mm. you and a handful of friends know about it. And you can try to you can try to like convince other friends to come, but they don't like the type of beer that's being served, or you know, yeah. some some reason. Um, but that's my that's my thoughts on on like the the the, the comedic, yeah, funny it, comic book. It's definitely book interesting because I think I I agree with you. The MCU definitely has these wonderful comedic moments um it knows its characters it's it's so confident with the way its characters behave and that you know those little kind of quippy lines especially if it's someone like paul rudd you know who's very kind of naturally comedically gifted um i kind of feel like if mystery men were made today paul rudd would definitely be in the cast i mean he's the kind of natural successor if this movie was to be remade Obviously, it's not going to happen because he's contracted to Marvel. And I swear to God, that man does not age. And also, um, obviously, as much as I love um, a certain other gentleman, I will never say no if Paul Rudd wants to knock on my door. Obviously, talking about comic book movies, um, and this is... It's a comic book movie. It's also a a comedy. Um, But... Looking at it now, 20 years later, uh, because sometimes we forget that 1999 was 20 years ago, and then you realise, oh my God, 20 years has passed since I first watched this movie. I'm getting on in life. Um, but looking back and re-watching Mystery Men now, is there anything that you don't like or you don't think works nowadays? Okay, so what I really... I don't like about this, and this might just be me, is that... Um, there, there's a there's this weird like time junk and jump anachronism thing where Captain Amazing is tied up and Casanova Frankenstein tells him tomorrow we kill you and then literally it's over the course of five days and nights when they accidentally kill him. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things. I wish they just kind of cut out that line about um, about Casanova. Uh, saying that because it just would have made more sense. I wouldn't have honestly noticed if it was like, well, why did they keep him tied down there for five days instead of mentioning <laughs> it and then being like, okay, well, you know, time's up. Why, why is he still alive? But other than that, you know, there's a there's some stuff when we talk about music. There's just something that drives me a little nuts there. But um, other than that, I mean, it's all the little dislikes I have about this movie are nitpicky. I definitely agree with you about the musical choices. It's... Um... There's some suspect music. Um, it's almost like they kind of reach a point where they're like, Whoa, right, well, we need a musical track here. And then they've closed their eyes and sort of gone down a CD shelf and gone, right, we'll pick that one. Right, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, it's it's oh, the thing with the, okay. with the two um, Wonder Women um, like yeah. beating each other up and then that no more heroes anymore. And it's almost like they just did like a 1999 equivalent of a Google search for songs with the word heroes in it. Found what they yes. could get. It's like, well, 
we can't get David Bowie's heroes at this point. Exactly. So is there like some kind of California surf punk band version that we can get just for this one <laughs> moment that we're just going to drop in there? And it's almost like I, every time I watch this movie, I prepare myself for this terrible music drop. <laughs> I mean, for me, I I adore this movie. I, I have to say, it's I haven't seen it in such a long time. And then when we obviously talked about doing it, um, I realised I didn't own it. And because we talked about it a while ago, I, I went out and I, I bought it on DVD because the DVDs are super cheap. So, um, and I sat down and watched it and it was genuinely like sitting with an old friend and having a chat, you know, with over a cup of tea or something. It was, it was just, it just felt like so homely and, and marvellous to kind of see the characters again and... And I genuinely find it hilariously funny. And I don't know whether that's because I've, I'm, my sense of humour is really childish and I fully laugh at fart and poop jokes <laughs> all the time, just generally in, in everyday life. Um, and, I mean, the humour in this movie, um, obviously, 20 years ago, uh, everyone... We were all considerably younger 20 years ago. Um, but, obviously, at 20 years later, you sometimes you do have a different outlook on life and you do have a slightly different sense of humor but no i am still all for the fart jokes so <laughs> so really whenever the spleen is on the screen i didn't mean to rhyme but there we go um i just i find him just laugh out loud funny if there is ever such a thing a, he's a bit weird and gross <laughs> if there is ever such a thing as a tasteful fart joke i think it is used in this movie there's a lot of great stuff where it's a gross power but when he knocks all those people out in the diner, Eddie actually compliments him with great aim. So it's like, <laughs> it's this stupid power that is is primarily there to make six-year-olds laugh. But at the exactly. same time, okay. it actually <laughs> turns out to be an incredibly useful, useful ability. Yeah. And I love his origin I... story. I just I just love that. that yes. He who smelt it, sh- who, who dealt it, shall forever... No, whoever... Who, he who smelt it shall forever be the one who dealt it. Yeah. It's... And, and that was the thing. It, it's a very playground thing, isn't it? You know, whoever smelt it, dealt it. Yeah. And it is almost like they took this to a group of school children and said to them, well, what do you think is a cool superpower? And one of them said, well... Toxic farts. Yeah. And whoever smelt it, dealt it. And, you know, and that's genuinely feels like where it's come from. But it doesn't make it any less hilarious. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do have a couple of issues with the movie generally, but it's mainly that it does look a little bit dated now, but it's 20 years old. So I have to kind of forgive it for looking a bit dated, you know, when we're talking CGI, when we're kind of panning over Champion City and it looks like a computer from the 90s made that city. Um, and the other issue that I... It's not really an issue, but I kind of feel like back in the late 90s, Claire Forlani was... I think she was kind of being seen as probably, you know, one of the next big things. And she was in quite a lot of movies um, in the late 90s. Um, and then she kind of disappeared a little bit um, and I don't really know what she's been up to recently um, but I kind of feel like she is clearly only there to be captured by the bad guy um, and I, I always have a bit of an issue with movies where 
you have a female character that's literally just there to be damseled. Um, and she's clearly just there to be damseled. But on the other hand, um, you've also got the bowler, who's, when we're talking about movies in the 90s, especially when we're talking about superhero movies, especially when we're talking about comedy movies, we, we have a character that's probably got the best power um, and she's fully kind of uh, well-rounded and Janine Garofalo, like you mentioned earlier, she was quite a big star sort of in the 90s. I genuinely love Janine Garofalo. So to have her play this character who's so i've kind of gone on to things that i like and i didn't mean to but i i <laughs> I, I really like what they did with janine garofalo's character specifically i um, i agree with you and- um another thing too and i don't know if you got this vibe as well because i would totally ship her and uh the bowler not the bowler um the blue raja I mean, the way that she looked at him in the bar while they're talking, like, they're actually engaging in very interesting conversation, Um, you know, much to uh, Carmine's, uh, you know, detriment that, you know, he is neither a commie nor a fruit, and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but it just, it just seems like out of those two, there's, there's a really great working relationship with those two characters Mm. in this movie. There's, there's this really funny bit where they're taking over casanova's car where they stop them and they're standing just one right next to each other and um you know eddie izzard's character says something i don't even remember what it was but blue raja looks and goes i don't think so ass and the way he and the bowler they both like they shrug their shoulders down at the same time just to that cadence it was just like wow i could actually see them as a couple and you know <laughs> Maybe maybe there's somebody who's written fan fiction about them. I, I don't know, but uh, I do. Oh, I, sh- we, we will find it. We will find it for you. And if it doesn't exist, we will write it. Oh, God. <laughs> don't give me another project, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting that you mention uh, ships specifically, because one of the things I do like about this movie that I was going to mention sort of when we talk a little bit later about the characters was I really like the fact that the bowler didn't end up with someone because that is the standard female character trope, isn't it? That if you have a female on the team, she's got to end up with someone. The fact that she doesn't, I do like her chemistry with the blue Raja specifically for, for all of the reasons that you've mentioned. And I do think they work really well together, but I actually really like that. She's not like relegated to the kind of romantic lead because that is someone else. So we've given that to Claire Forlani, um, her and Ben Stiller, obviously, I don't think they have a great deal of chemistry together, but okay. But I really like that an actress like Janine Garofalo, who's a great actress, she's a great comedian, is not relegated to that. That she is kind of given her own agency and she can still hang out with these guys and they can be a team and they can work together, but she doesn't have to go off and have sex with one of them. I think that's really refreshing. <laughs> I, because. I agree. The movie could have done that. It could have done that, and it didn't. So I think basically what we're saying is is that Mystery Men does have minor flaws, and, it, and it, they are minor. Um, it is a little bit dated in some respects, but generally it's really, really fun. <laughs> it's just so much fun, and, and the performances are so great. Like People are really bringing their A-game to this movie, um, and in a way that makes it even sadder that it didn't do better because 
I feel like, you know, when we're talking about people like Jeffrey Rush, who genuinely are fantastic actors. Um, I mean, Jeffrey Rush has been in phenomenal movies just off the top of my head i mean i'm only thinking of pirates of the caribbean for some reason but <laughs> he's just so fantastic in pirates of the caribbean and i did an episode on that and you know it's just honest to god i i feel and, with him it's it's a lot of he he truly invests himself in everything he does he's a national treasure in any country he's um hmm. i mean that he had just done shine he had just done shakespeare in love uh, both of which got him Oscar nominations. He he does this, and then he goes off and he does. He plays the Marquis de Sade in Quills. Um, he was Nigel in Finding Nemo. Uh, he's just he's just such a fun actor. I just I I truly adore him as an actor. Um, if you've never seen him play Peter Sellers, he had done a movie for HBO about fifteen years ago, and it is just oh, it's it's delightful. Wasn't he also in The King's Speech? Yes, he was. As well? Yes, he was. He was excellent in oh, that Oh, he too. was wonderful. I love that movie. Oh, I, I love, love that. I love that Oscar bait movie. I really do. One thing that I, um, I do like to do, uh, especially in recent episodes, is I like to stick uh, a certain gentleman into my conversation. And, and I, I appreciate you mentioning The Matrix earlier. Uh, Joey Pants. uh, Joey Pants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I I have this thing where I like to do an uh, obligatory Keanu reference because of my love for Keanu. Um, And um, obviously at this point in 1999, he was starring in The Matrix, um, which again, and I feel like I've referenced a couple of episodes that I've done previously, but I can't seem to help myself. So I did a whole episode on The Matrix. Um, But I... I, I always like to try and link something to do with Keanu in. So I found a link to Ben Stiller, which I thought was quite interesting. So Ben Stiller in 2008, um, he uh, directed a movie called Tropic Thunder. And Tropic Thunder was, uh, again, it was sort of a meta comedy. I mentioned that in Edge of Tomorrow, which was another episode that I did. And it was basically because I, as, as an example of how great Tom Cruise can be when he's not playing Tom Cruise. Um, and interestingly, for Tropic Thunder... Ben Stiller actually wanted Keanu Reeves for the role of Tug Speedman, which was a role that Stiller uh, ended up playing. And Stiller was originally going to be playing the agent Rick Peck. But by the time filming started, Stiller obviously took the Tug Speedman role and Matthew McConaughey came in for Rick Peck. But what's really interesting is that Tropic Thunder was actually um, about a decade in the making. Um, It took a long time to bring Tropic Thunder to the screen. So if you think about it, when they were filming Mystery Men, sort of back in 1998 sort of time, the talks probably were going on at that time. I'm speculating between Ben Stiller and Keanu Reeves. And obviously that was during the development and filming of Mystery Men. So I don't know the exact dates when Ben Stiller was talking to Keanu about Tropic Thunder. Again, speculation that it was around this time. But I think it fits in quite nicely when we're talking about a movie that was shot in 98, released in 99. Um, So that is how I managed to get Keanu Reeves into this episode. And I'm very proud of myself. It would have been easy just to say, well, he was in The Matrix the same year, and he was. But yeah, that was that's my little tedious link to uh, Keanu. <laughs> um, so we've talked a little bit about the characters in this movie. And, and obviously there are some wonderful character moments. 
um, and characters with specific powers and how they use their powers because a lot of the great character moments are when they use their powers um and obviously there's some fantastic quotes as well um are there any specific character moments that really stood out for you um there's a scene where it close to the end of the movie when the the team is is sieging upon casino frankenstein's uh mansion where he sends all of his lackeys to the disco room and the way that he holds the pose is the John Travolta Saturday Night Fever pose. And I, yeah. I love I love that character moment. I love um, I, I love the thing with with uh, the Blue Raja. Whenever, well, first of all, I love his accent. I love just how over exaggerated and feat that accent is. Um, but I like to his sleight of hand with the forks that when he actually hides them, yes. flips them. By, and I, I'm amazed at Hank Azaria, you know, who I'm sure took practice how to do this. It just I love that they just flip behind and they're gone. But he always does the little magician's thing where he shows his hands. Um, yeah. You know, there's the thing with Jeanine Garofalo that I always love is when she is irritated by anything, her eyes get bigger. And it's just it's – it's a very slight thing. It might actually be a personal tick as opposed to a character tick. I do the exact same thing. And it's a great quiet way of, of letting people know, okay, I'm done talking to you now. <laughs> I, just, I do the same thing. She's done that. She's done that Mystery Men. She actually did it in uh, The Cable Guy when she was the uh, waitress at Medieval Times. And uh, mm-hmm. I've just noticed that in several of her movies and – it's it, that's a really great bit, and I just love. All right, the one of the biggest things that speaks to me most is the character of Eddie, um, the shoveler, because you, if you've listened to our podcast for a long time, you know that we we experiment in food a lot. Um, primarily, our big thing for the show because it's a nice audio thing is is different types of potato chips, or as you would call them, crisps. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Eddie has a thing in every scene that he's eating something, it is the worst possible way to order it. Um, A meatball sandwich with mayonnaise and ketchup. Um, When he's giving his egg salad speech, and he's talking about how it's loaded with cholesterol, his wife won't let him anywhere near it. And when he finally puts the sandwich together, first of all, he's serving on just plain white bread, which is wrong. Um, but there was so it looked it looked like there was so much mayonnaise in there. It's unappetizing. But it's just this this <laughs> character thing where he just is literally sh- he's shoveling garbage into himself. If you really want to find a good tie to the character, I think that's what it is. He is just literally shoveling garbage into himself. That's really interesting because I actually didn't pick up on the food thing with Eddie, but now that you've mentioned it, and now I'm thinking back, he really does shovel food like into his mouth like massive amounts of and it's 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 garbage combinations of things and i I, you know because you had mentioned to me that you're vegetarian so i don't you know i i don't know the last time you've eaten a meatball but you you don't put condiments on it (laughs) at all no mustard no mayonnaise no ketchup no um i mean it's it's been a few years since i ate meat um and i was always a fan of a meatball i have to say Unless it was in, like, a sub or something. Because sometimes Subway do, like, the meatball subs. Yeah. Um, you might find condiments on your meatballs. But otherwise, 
I would say you would just have a meatball in a tomato sauce. Yeah, exactly. That would be your your meat ball. That, 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 <laughs> that is how it is done. I have, a, I have an argument with people all the time that you don't put pickles on pastrami. It just doesn't work. It's disgusting and stop doing that, you freaks. <laughs> um, well, have we gone to food? I'm not sure. Um, it, it's our oh, character talk- moments, our character moments. Salad. Yes. Uh, well, we're yeah. talking about our egg yeah, the egg salad speech. Um, it's an incredibly moving speech. It is the Braveheart speech of this movie. And again, my distraction is just going at the disgusting looking sandwich. Uh, <laughs> but it is, it's a very good speech in terms of we can, I, I can either eat this sandwich and die slowly this way, or we can go out and try to save the city. And I, I, I yeah, love that. It's like a proper rousing speech, isn't it? Exactly. Um, just not done and, on horseback. And he's really, yeah, he is the kind of fatherly voice of reason. He is a good husband and he is a good father, but he also is a good shoveler. Um, and I think the little tricks that he does with the shovel, I mean, you mentioned obviously the Blue Raja. He is the master of cutlery. Uh, no knives, obviously, only spoons and forks because they're great for puns. And he left his, um, li- and, but be- he left his large pie uh, server at home. <laughs> yeah. I love the Blue Raja's puns. Um, just the fact that if, if he can get fork or spoon or, or something to do with cutlery into a sentence such as... I don't know, uh, fancy seeing you here, so spoon. <laughs> I just think it's, I genuinely think it's wonderful. And, and, but specifically with the shoveler, as I said, you know, he, he shovels well, you know, but he does have a family, you know, he has a wife and he has children. But I love the scene where he goes back home and his wife is pretty pissed, um, as you would be, you know, if your husband was constantly going out, constantly fighting crime constantly putting himself in harm's way for no good reason. You know, when you've got a perfectly good superhero in your city, you don't need the little guys. Um, And he comes home and his wife is not happy. And then his little boy comes up and says, I believe in you, daddy. (laughs) And it's just the sweetest moment because you can tell he's a family man. You know, he has something to lose. And yet at the end, when it comes to rescuing captain amazing and then obviously the battle against casanova frankenstein he knows that he has something to lose and he knows that his wife is gonna leave him because she even tells him you know i'm gonna leave you if you do this but he's like well the city and the safety of the city i have to do this you know this is what i've got to do um but you can tell he's he's a kind gentle wonderful man and i think that william h macy is i think he's pretty perfect actually um because he he portrays so much empathy and kindness and and just kind of sensibility, I think that he's he is kind of a bit like the dad of everyone yeah. um, and he is he is kind of constantly trying to do the right thing um, and especially when he's up against someone like Roy or Mr. Furious, you know Roy is a good guy, he's a gentle guy. And he, he does have these kind of moments of rage. Um, and I don't think, he, you know, he's at that point where he doesn't really know how to control the power or even if he has the power, um, because we're not really sure at that point he's got it. We just know that he can get a bit angry and hurt himself by trying to, you know, use that anger. Um, 
But he's the one who basically kind of speaks to Roy and says, you know, look, there is a team here if you want to be part of it. You know, yeah. it would be very easy for him to say, well, you left, so that's it. You're not part of this anymore. But he's like, no, you're part of the team. You can come back in at any point. And, yeah, it's it's kind of a really great camaraderie between the three kind of leads, in a sense. When I say leads, I just mean Mr. Furious, the Shoveler, and the Blue Raja. They all work really, really well off each other. Um, and they all bring something different as well. Um, I think you could potentially argue that someone like the Blue Raja... Um, who obviously puts on an accent and he, he kind of has this different persona. So he has his Jeffrey persona um, that he obviously speaks to with his mother because he lives with his mother. But then when he's the Blue Raja, he's a completely different person. He's not Jeffrey anymore. He is the Blue Raja. He has the accent. He has the silverware. He has the... Uh, elegant costume that has no blue in it um, and it is almost like perhaps sort of an allegory to someone who might be um, you know living in the closet for example um, someone who's kind of afraid to come out um, as his real self but when he's the blue raja he kind of says you know this is who I'm supposed to be I'm, I'm happy as the blue raja and and then his mother realises how happy it makes him and fully accepts it. And it's wonderful. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a really great scene when his mother is so proud and gets the good tableware out, <laughs> you know, just so that he's got the best tools to fight with. Um, the fact that she wants him really to do that accent scene. again is just... Yeah. She fully accepts who he is. He is the Blue Raja. He's, you know, English aristocracy. He fights with the... You know, he fights with silverware and she's all for it. And I think that's that's just a really wonderful scene. However you take it, if you just take it that this is his superhero identity, if you want to take it that maybe this is another life that he prefers to live, you know, whether it's kind of an allegory for uh, being gay or whatever, you the fact that his mother fully supports him and is behind him, I think is is a really great scene, actually. Absolutely. Who haven't we talked about? Um, well, we talked a little bit about the bowling. Yeah. Um, obviously, the her she has a bowling ball. She's arguably got the biggest power. I think I mentioned earlier yeah. that the bowling ball contains the skull of her father, her father who was killed by Tony P, who was called Carmine the Bowler. And she speaks to the bowling ball. Only she can hear what the ball is saying. And obviously, it's her father, so he's constantly telling her off yeah. and constantly telling her that she could do better. Um, <laughs> and she's constantly arguing with him, um, which is interesting to kind of have that kind of father-daughter dynamic as well in the movie. We've mentioned the spleen, toxic farts. Yeah. He is forevermore who dealt we, it. We really uh, haven't discussed is... Roy. Um, there, there isn't, you know, I, I hate to say okay. there isn't really a whole lot that you need to discuss about Roy. Roy is just, everybody knows a guy like Roy that... Thinks he's more dangerous than he really is. Um, he wants to be the leader. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to relinquish um, that that need to be in charge of everything to anybody else. Which is why he's got such a great um, kind of back and forth with the Sphinx. Um, and then once he kind of he's told. That, you know, he doesn't need to be furious. Then he starts the doubting of himself. It's really interesting. 
Um, but I do love that at the end of the movie, he actually does really get his blood boiling and gets to finally be furious. And he's still, I love. He just still doesn't know how to fight. First of all, um, he just manages to overpower yeah. <laughs> Casanova with a lot of like, you know, just just really prattish type of um, a fight choreography. And it's what the interesting thing is that Ben Stiller is the the top name in this movie. He is the center of the poster, and as the lead, it's interesting that he might not really be the key, the central character in this movie. It's a very interesting thing because yeah. I like Ben Stiller a lot, and but when I, when I go to who's my favorite character, it's never him. <laughs> I like him, yeah. I like him, but you know, I think Hank Azaria does. Out of the heroes, Hank Azaria and Janine Garofalo are, are, I think, the two my two favorites. Uh, obviously, you know, I've, I've said a lot about Casanova. Frankenstein is just just a fantastic villain. Like out of uh, uh, comic book movie villains, he is in that list alongside characters like Loki and Killmonger. Uh, he he's in that list for me. Really? Yeah, I, okay. I would say so. I mean, he's just. So invested, and he's so evil, and he's got those eyes that just do that that thing. I can't do it right now, but uh, and that, <laughs> well, we are on audio, so exactly. <laughs> that but would the, be the, very strange. And the other thing too, and this is just me being just me, um, the fact that he does have that one long pinky coke nail that is his weapon is hilarious. Yeah. Um, it's just such a seventies <laughs> thing to have that. It really is when the camera is like right at the base of his finger oh, and, and all it's doing is like following his finger t- towards Ben Stiller. Oh, it's I, such I, a I still tacky find effect. that quite it's hilarious. Su- it's, it's funny. It's such a tacky effect, but it is very, very funny. Yeah, it really is. Obviously, we've not really mentioned Invisible Boy, um, but obviously that's Kel Mitchell of Keenan and Kel fame. Um, he can only turn invisible when no one's watching. Yep. Um, but it's it's quite nice because he still gets his moment to shine and he does genuinely turn invisible. <laughs> Uh, because no one's watching and it's really great because without that power they would never have got into Casanova Frankenstein's because uh, that's when they go into the disco room isn't yeah. it um, and they he, they would never have done that without Invisible Boy so I think it's really nice everyone gets their little chance to shine which is nice in a movie like this with with such a big ensemble cast everyone kind of gets their own little moment um, where they can be kind of the one thing on screen that, or obviously in the case of Invisible Boy, not on screen. Um, but yeah, it's it's really nice. And I think he's a very kind of sweet addition because he's obviously a young kid, very impressionable. And he just kind of sees this group of heroes and he just wants to be them. To be fair, we've not even mentioned the um, all of the heroes when they do the tryouts and all of the different heroes that come through um the the waffle man who has his waffle man song um and uh pencil head and son of pencil head pencil head being doug jones uh doug jones obviously i talked about in the previous episode in hush because he was one of the gentlemen um and we've not even mentioned michael bay the cameo of uh, michael bay the legendary director of such wonderful movies as and ah and and all of those other explosions, he asks if they can bring the brewskis, quite famously, because he's one of the frat boys. Um, oh, yeah, we've not even mentioned him. So um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things 
that we haven't mentioned, but um, and also the Sphinx, uh, who is terribly mysterious, who uses phrases like um, "to learn my teachings, I must first teach you how to learn." Uh, and uh, um, yeah, it, I I find him very very funny. Um, and when we're talking about a movie like Mystery Men, and when we're talking about superhero movies, and and how people want to emulate superheroes, the saturation of superhero movies nowadays. Um, and it, this movie is quite interesting because when we're talking about heroes where only the finest and the most powerful tend to save the day, it's actually really refreshing to see the underdogs actually take control and do some good. Um, and this movie, to me, kind of feels like this is what would happen if real people became mediocre superheroes. Like These are the sort of heroes that they would become. Um, and I guess we can take from this movie that sometimes the average Joe can make a difference. And in this movie, the average Joe really does make... It makes all of the difference. Okay, they end up killing uh, Captain Amazing by accident, um, but they still manage to save the day in the end. Um, and I think that's actually a really nice, kind message to put out in that you don't have to be the biggest and the best and, you know, have all the power you can still have a certain amount of power. You know, you still have a voice and you can still make a difference. It doesn't matter if you're the little guy. You should always still try. And that's what the mystery men do. They still try. They're constantly trying. And I think that's a really nice kind of message from this movie. I, I completely agree with you. I think that this... It's it's interesting because again now we've been inundated with with superhero movies that have given us more of a real world look at superheroes. I mean, you could look no further than like the the Nolan verse Batman movies, which essentially are real world movies where an actual person dresses up as a bat and fights crime, but it it feels more realistic. I do like this that these guys have no means; they're not you know wealthy billionaires like billionaire Lance Hunt. Um, who may or may not be Captain Amazing. They are just a guy who apparently is a shoveler for a living and some guy who junks tanks and you just, you just regular Joes that go out and and manage to just do mm. the unthinkable. I mean, and let's be honest, it's, it's not like Captain Amazing didn't have it coming. He was kind of being a jerk to them. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was. He really was. And he's like you know, egotistical, narcissist. And it's interesting, you know, when we when we talk about this movie back in 1999, obviously it was a flop. It did bomb. It had a budget of $68 million. It only made $33 million worldwide. Um, and in the UK, we didn't actually get it f till six months after. Um, and it was only limited release. So it wasn't really a wide release. Um, and personally, I rented it from a video hmm. store. That was the first experience I had with Mystery Men was seeing it in my local video store and renting it and loving it like completely. Um, but I do feel like with the current saturation of superheroes in modern cinema, that if this movie had come out maybe even 10 years ago or 15 years ago, that people would genuinely have wanted to see it. Um, especially when you look at shows like Amazon's The Boys, um, which takes a character very similar to Captain Amazing. I don't know if you've seen The Boys. I think Mystery Men was kind of a, a very rough kind of stepping off point for something like The Boys. 
he is a complete narcissist and um you know what what would that do to that hero and and captain amazing is is a bit of a precursor to the characters in the boys he I absolutely think. is um, I, I would like to actually see a, a kind of like even like a mini series where it's just captain amazing as a superhero and just seeing how he works with the sponsorship and all because we only really get to see him do it once um when he fights the red eyes um just just see how i don't know if it would need to be funny or if it would be more like that the the anti-hero dystopian look at superheroes kind of like the boys kind of like watchmen um is another Mm -hmm. one that comes to mind um I mean, I think personally, going back, going back as far as like 15 years ago, I still kind of feel like this movie is going to be like this this wonderful little niche treasure that would it, it eventually finds an audience, but it's going to be that small, spaced out audience. Um, I was I saw this movie opening weekend. I was one of those people that didn't really? want to go see. I did not see the Sixth Sense in the movie theater. I saw Mystery Men, and um, with with original recipe uh, co-host Mike, and uh, he and I, we really enjoyed it. And I was I was floored that it, it was it, it it ended the weekend at like number six in the U.S. box office, and I was floored by it. And then the more I started talking to people, I kind of realized that just like I had mentioned earlier about the other Dark Horse movies. There's a line of demarcation between those who genuinely love it and those people that either A, don't get it, or B, just, it's not their thing. Um, so, mm. I, you know, and I, I really hope that doesn't sound like I'm, I'm poo-pooing this movie. I love this movie. I just don't think this thing was ever going to find that wide audience, but it's that nice little treasure that someone like yourself or me or, you know, any of our friends or even the people in your social media feedback that were raving about this movie. We all found it, and we all loved it, and at the end of the day, mm. while I kind of wish that it had made more money just for various reasons, I'm glad we have this, and I'm glad that it's something that we can all treasure. I genuinely agree. And I'll, I'll go on to social media in a bit, but I got some wonderful social media comments. People absolutely love Mystery Men, and I think it kind of speaks volumes to cult fandom and and you know when these movies come out and they don't do so well but then they gather like a real passionate cult following and i think mystery men is one of those treasures like you say that yeah it didn't do very well it was trounced by the sixth sense because the sixth sense came out at the same weekend as you know from going to see it yourself (laughs) um it was absolutely hammered by the sixth sense which was one of the biggest movies of 1999 and obviously 1999 as I've said, it is one. It is the pinnacle of modern movie making. You know, everyone kind of louds 1999 as being the best year for, for modern movies. Um, and I really do think that a movie like Mystery Men, even if it had come out a couple of years later, maybe it would have had that little bit more exposure. The, the year before this, Blade came out and really kind of got people interested in the comic book genre. And then the year after this, it was X-Men. And X-Men has obviously become massive. It's become one of the biggest franchises for superheroes. It's obviously not been consistently great. um, (laughs) But generally, um, you know, it it kind of kicked everything off, really. Um, And another great movie that uh, didn't do so well in 1999, but I kind of find in a very similar vein, is Galaxy Quest. 
And obviously Galaxy Quest was a wonderful homage and parody of Star Trek, people who enjoy Star Trek. Um, but it does it with so much warmth and heart. And I feel like Mystery Men's the same. It kind of makes fun of the genre of superheroes, but it's never cruel. You know, it never kind of takes people who enjoy superhero movies and laughs at them. It's just laughing at stuff that these superhero movies do. You know, when you've got crazy, maniacal villains and you've got stupid heroes with silly powers. and, and But it, it's doing it in such a fond and loving way. Um, you can't kind of help but love it, even if it is a bit dated. Um, it still has love for the genre, which is something like Batman and Robin, I kind of feel like didn't really do so well um it just kind of felt a bit of a mishmash it want it w- didn't want to take itself seriously it wanted to be a bit comedic but it didn't really know how to do it whereas mystery men really succeeds f- doing you know that kind of parody and the comedy side whilst also making these characters really interesting and really likable because even roy yeah he's a little bit unlikable but I think we kind of, his walls start to come down and you do kind of get to see a little bit of Roy. Um, not so much as the other characters, <laughs> but it's definitely an interesting movie uh, to talk about. And it's a bit of a shame that we don't have a bit more time, really, because I think we could both talk about it for ever and a day. Absolutely, um, but I will put this out here. But... If you don't already have somebody slated, I will be happy to be a return guest and talk about Galaxy Quest with you. Um <laughs> Do you know what? That is a deal because I re- I do want to do Galaxy Quest next I, year. We, we love that and, movie um, so much. We actually included it in our countdown of Star Trek movies. Yeah, I remember, and and I think I was never the the biggest fan of Star Trek. In that I used to watch like the original series um, because it was on TV when I got home from school, and I watched quite a lot of Next Generation, um, but I never really got into anything else. I didn't really get into the original movies. Um, I kind of really got back into it with uh, the J.J. Abrams Mm. movies. Um, But I adore Galaxy Quest. I think it's so quotable. I think everyone, every performance in that movie is top game. I mean, it... Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make this the Galaxy Quest episode, yeah. but we, we, you can definitely. We are absolutely. We're, we're doing it. It's I a date. All right. Awesome. <laughs> All okay. Right, cool. We we will we will sort that out for Excellent. next year. Right. Excellent. As I mentioned earlier, we had loads of social media thoughts on Mystery Men. So first off, over on Twitter, um, we have uh, Nick over at Black Girls Do Stuff Two, which is at Black Girls Do Stuff. She said, one of the first DVDs I ever owned, and I loved that movie. Great semi-parody of superheroes, but really are their own kind of superheroes themselves. Hashtag, look, I'm a publicist, not a magician. Uh, I understand that reference, which is at Cap Understands, said, better than it should have been for its time. Did the superhero parody thing before the true dawn of the superhero movie Onslaught. Movies After Work, which is at Movies Work, said, comedic brilliance. This film is full of jokes that only get funnier as the cinematic superhero pool gets deeper, plus Doug Jones as a pencil. Uh, at the Film B, which is B from In Their Own League, said, I love this film, still 
feel very fresh and funny all these years later, jammed full of quotable lines and jokes. This is a film which defines cool classic, and it's great to see it finally getting the love and attention it deserves. At Trivia Chic, it shouldn't have worked, but time and place for this were worth everything. It's so outside the box and bombastic, but it has so many heartfelt moments. This is a unique movie that doesn't get the love it deserves. At Filmbusters Paul, it's the movie that made bowling balls with skulls in Cool Right. All I pretty much remember is that I really wanted a bowling ball with a skull in it and William H. Macy had a shovel for some reason. Uh, at Contrarian Prime commented back saying, because he's the shoveler. And Filbusters Paul replied back saying, that totally makes sense now. At Trivia Chic replied, and the Blue Raja who threw forks with deadly accuracy. At Latte Thunder said, not only has Mystery Men been hilarious every viewing since I first saw it as a kid, it taught me the plural of nemesis, which is nemeses. At Friends and Flayers said, I love that movie, it's the perfect mixture of absurd and superhero tropes. At Kolb's Bulbs said, This film is a lot like Unbreakable. Had it come out 15, 20 years later, it would have been a massive hit. However, I still love this film. At Film Seller said, Would have been more successful had it been released today. Shame because it had a great cast and sharp, witty script. Save line, two hands chum, classic. At Hoovalicious84, it's a yes for sure. This movie might not have been perfect or popular, but the characters and original story are worth noting. To be honest, I would like to see the cast return for a sequel. And finally, at another film nerd said, Macy's Egg Salad Sandwich Beats is up there with Brando's Could Have Been a Contender and Nicholson's You Can't Handle the Truth. An amazingly fun film parodying a genre that wouldn't come into its own for another decade. Um, and over on Instagram, Movies at the Mat said, Underrated, underappreciated, and one of the best standalone superhero movies ever made. So, we're coming to the end of the episode. Uh, obviously, I need to thank Andy for coming on. Um, it's been so wonderful to talk to you. And like I say, I think that we could sit and talk for hours and hours about a movie like Mystery Men because it's there's so much to talk about. It's so funny. We haven't even talked about any quotes or, or anything. Um, I think we could quote this movie at each other forever because uh, it, it's just great. But obviously, I just want to give you the opportunity to plug your show. Um, not that you need it because you guys have been going on for like millenniums or something uh, uh, you know it's like you're the gift that keeps on giving it's like you're never going to stop um but please take this opportunity to um promote the show and obviously let everyone know where they can find you follow you and subscribe Excellent. To you. okay so geek salad is available pretty much wherever you get your podcast so stitcher spotify itunes google music uh we also have the full audio as well as the movie reviews that we do weekly on our YouTube channel, which is just Geek Salad Podcast. Um, we also have a full archive of episodes. Sometimes the um, the podcast apps to only give you like the last year. You can get our full archive at geeksalad.podbean.com. Um, the Podbean app can also help you with that too. So if there's really a, um, a subject you want to go back and listen to, all you have to do is just type in the name of it, if it's a movie, if it's a type of thing we when we talk about food just type in the word food we've got tons of those on there uh and you can just get that right at podbean.com geeksalad.podbean.com um you can follow us on twitter at geek salad radio uh honestly i i'd like to say that the easiest way to follow us on twitter is simply by following m on verbal diorama because invariably 15 <laughs> times a day she or I are responding back to something the other one said. 
Um, however, yeah. what what does tend to get missed is our Facebook page, which is Geek Salad Podcast, um, and that is just going on Facebook and following us there. We don't. I, I have to admit, we don't do a lot of work on our Facebook thing. Uh, probably because I'm like a ninety percent Twitter guy and a ten percent Facebook guy now. Um, only because I just love hating myself. Uh, but yeah, you can follow us on both of those. Uh, it definitely helps. Please subscribe to us wherever. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us where wherever. And uh, keep listening to Verbal Diorama because I I do love I do love independent podcasts. I I want to hear more of them. And um, between M, between me, and between everybody else in our uh, in our purview, please go out listen to us. We're we're all we're all doing it for the love of the game here. Absolutely, obviously, I would like to preface that with uh, I'm such a big fan of independent podcasting generally, but mainly I'm I'm so happy that we've finally kind of managed to get together. I know we've talked about it for such a long time. I'm so thrilled that you've come on to Verbal Diorama. I'm beyond thrilled that we've had a chance to talk about Mystery Men, even though we've not covered everything that I know we wanted to talk about. But genuinely, um, you are one of the nicest and most supportive people that I've had the pleasure of getting to know every single time that I've been stressed or had a problem. I know that you've you've been there at the other end of a DM and it's it's genuinely kind of meant the world to have someone like you who's obviously, as we've said, um, quite experienced and generally knows the ropes and has been doing this such a long time. But I kind of feel like I can come to you for for anything, really, for any guidance or or just a really terrible joke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just just anything, really. And you, you're always so wonderful to talk to. And genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I I think you're such a wonderful person. And um, genuinely, I am. I'm truly I, this. I, I love this was do. something I've been waiting, for, looking forward to for a very long time. So thank you so much for having me. I mean, hey, maybe we could even cont- at some point do another podcast, just Mystery Men too. Unlike the movie, you and I could uh, justify a sequel here. I mean, I think that our acting at the start of this episode, I mean, we're clearly Oscar winners uh, in training. So I'm pretty certain that we could, you know, put a script together. We could sort out the performances. We can do the direction. I, You know, with your skills in (laughs) musical theatre and with my... Britishness. Um, I'm pretty certain we could uh, we could get something Excellent. going. Um, but yeah, uh, just so wonderful to have you on. Thank you. And um, thank you to everyone for listening to this episode on Mystery Men. Um, next episode is an episode I've been teasing for a while, um, and it was featured in an obligatory Keanu reference back in Legally Blonde. Um, and if you want to hear how I got to that, then listen to Legally Blonde. But next episode I've slotted in, um, I'm actually going to be talking about 2016's Passengers, uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. It's an interesting movie uh, with an ethical dilemma. Um, It doesn't always deliver on its promises, but hey, we'll talk about that more next time. If you like this episode, I've also done episodes on Titan AE, Captain Marvel, Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Cabin in the Woods, 
Speed, Aladdin 1992-2019, I got that wrong. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Charlie's Angels 2000, The Mummy 1999, The Matrix, John Carter, Willow, The Iron Giant, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Logan, Edge of Tomorrow, Legally Blonde, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 10, Hush. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. You can email me general hellos, feedback or suggestions, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. My website is verbaldiorama.com. If you like what I do and you want to leave me a great review, you can do so on Apple Podcasts and I would really appreciate that. And I have a column over at Film Stories magazine. Uh, Film Stories is an independent British movie magazine. I would love it if you could support it and the wonderful people who work on it by popping on over to filmstories.co.uk slash magazine. Uh, you can purchase one-off copies of the back catalogue or you can subscribe and you might see me pop up in future issues. Um, I'm also doing bits on their website at the moment as well for British independent podcasts. So look out for those. But here's the thing, Andy. Maybe you should put some shorts on or something if you want to keep fighting evil today. I knew I forgot something. Ugh! Invisibility isn't even my power! <laughs> oh, you're making me furious! <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye! Bye-bye.